0: Welcome to episode number one hundred and sixty-one of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is May eleventh, two thousand and twenty-one. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the Mister J Todoru. Yes. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing pretty good. Um, man. For, so for once, even with having uh, a guest on, the last episode did not go insanely long. I know I was was, when we got done I was just like okay (laughs) like I'll take it this is what it's supposed to be like (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh I watched Jurassic Park for the first time in a a long time Mm -hmm. have you watched it recently uh probably the last five years if I had to guess uh okay but so that's probably more recently than I had until now um my daughter I realized that my daughter had never seen it okay I was like oh you gotta watch we have to watch Jurassic Park and uh, it holds up real like I was surprised at how well it holds up.
1: Yeah, same. I think I think it's the way that they did the the dinosaurs that like just really holds up a time. And the story is really simple, right? Like it's a it's a simple story that's executed well, which generally yeah. generally speaking, holds up pretty well.
0: I think you're right. It, it, nothing crazy, insane to the story, and also mm-hmm. it's got like lots of unique things, like like even stuff that you don't like or that that I never thought about. But like the scene where. The car is in the tree and they're climbing down and it starts falling down and they got to race. Like, it's kind of like a chase scene, but it's like a new kind of chase scene that that you haven't seen a million times before. Just like little things like that. I was like, damn, this movie, like, I was expecting to like it. I, You know, I wasn't expecting to be disappointed or anything, but I was actually surprised at how good of a movie. I was like, damn, this is still a really, really awesome movie.
1: That scene, even though I know the end result of it, still scares me. Like I remember the last time I watched it, I was like, "Man, I know it's going to happen," and I'm still kind of uncomfortable. Oh hell,
0: yeah. like when the when they're in the kit uh, the kitchen, you know. And, and uh, what's the other? They're obviously like when they're when the T Rex gets out. That was mm-hmm. that's a, that's a famous part. But yeah, still fucking scary. Yeah, fantastic movie. Great movie. Great job. Great movie. Uh, great game too, right? Oh. <laughs> That's a tough game right there that's what we're talking about i remember you you saying that like your toe hit some water or something and it it instantly killed your character (laughs) Yeah, that game is it's brutal like there's one level in particular i actually think it's like the second
1: level it's like the i I think it's the second level but you're in these sewers and the jump you have to do is so requires so much precision and if you're off by like if you don't jump at the right time you hit your head i think (laughs) and if you jump too early or excuse me too late then you fall in the water and it's a one shot so it's just oh, like, if you don't save state, you will have to do that part. Excuse me, you'll have to do the first level yeah. many times. And it's not, the game is not consistent. That was my biggest gripe with it, is it's
0: just, it's not consistent, you know, how your character interacts with the world. So that reminds, do you remember the part on Ninja Turtles where there was something, it sounds really, fairly similar. There, There's a, a whole, you're, you know, do you remember how some of the levels would have like a second floor, but you could see the second floor from the first floor and you got to go to one end of it and climb up the ladder and then go back.
1: Huh? You're talking about the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: first one on Nintendo. Yeah.
1: hundred
0: percent. Uh, do you remember how there was this one part there where there was a little gap? You're on the second floor and there's a little gap. It's exactly like one, um, like whatever the minimum size of their sprites were, it's kind of like exactly one, like, uh, probably like 16 pixels, eight or 16, probably about 16 pixels wide. And but the the floor you're walking on, the ceiling is directly directly above your head. Like the, you are the exact height of the space you have. So every time you jump, you just bounce off the ceiling and fall through the hole. The way you're supposed to get oh, past the, the way you get past it is you just don't jump and you just walk over it.
1: Yeah, there there they're, they're, they're
0: some like, it almost
1: feels like Ninja Gaiden-esque. Like, just those really ridiculous jumps that you basically have to do over and over and over in order to understand how they're supposed to be done.
0: Yeah. It's a ridiculous game. I remember when I got that, I was so excited, and then I played it for a little bit. I was like, it's, it's fucking hard. That game is really hard. Um. Well, anyway. The, the level the level's so terrifying. Ugh. The the dam, is that what you said? And the way you use the bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rec- yeah, yep, that level is it. so stressful. That's the one. I think I got past that once or twice when I was little, but then just died almost instantly at the part after it. I kept dying in the open world too, which is so funny because you get run
1: over or whatever.
0: That was what happened to me too. If it, I, I could be conflating two different parts, but I seem to remember getting past the uh, the dam like a cut like like I said, maybe one time ever, maybe twice, and then yeah. in the overworld getting run over by one of the steamrollers or whatever. Yep. <laughs> It's ridiculous, a game. right? It's ridiculous. Um, anything new with you or you want to go ahead and jump into news, Jay? Uh, well, I'm good on my end. Nothing to share. All good. Okay. Then let's do it. Uh, we Okay, so one thing I forgot to bring up last time is that, I guess this isn't strictly classic related, but it kind of is in a way. Uh, the PlayStation Store on PS3 and PS Vita I guess what I would say is that has implications for future classic games. Um, was going to shut down, and they 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 announced that they were gonna sh- that it's going to shut down in June. And obviously, people are upset about that because there are some you know PS Vita store exclusive games that were just going to be lost forever. Well, since then, the uh, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment basically said. Sorry, we messed up. We're not going to do that. We, we, we won't do it after all. I'll give you. So his name is Jim Ryan. I'll give you the the full quote. Recently, we notified players that PlayStation Store for PS3 and PS Vita devices was planned to end this summer. Upon further reflection, however, it's clear we made the wrong decision here. So today, I'm happy to say that we will keep that we will be keeping the PlayStation Store operational for PS3 and PS Vita devices. PSP commerce functionality will retire on July 2nd. As planned. When we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, uh, it was. I'm uh, getting that crazy noise in your really? background again. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It sounds what like. A, this time it sounds like a printer or something. There's <laughs> like a scanner. It sounds like an office printer.
1: But I do show that my mic's stuck on, which doesn't make any sense.
0: Now there went it went away.
1: My microphone's like super sensitive. I don't know why.
0: Well, let's try it. I'll raise it up a little bit more. Okay. We'll just try it. We'll just deal with it. Uh, When we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce, support challenges for older devices, and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. We see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future, so I'm glad we were able to find a solution to continue operations. Uh, I'm glad that we can keep this piece of our history alive for gamers to enjoy while we continue to create cutting-edge new game worlds for PS4, PS5, and the next generation of VR. Nice little uh, plug right there. Thank you for sharing your feedback with us. We're always listening and appreciate the support from our PlayStation community
1: is that have
0: people like confirmed
1: like is that a pretty authentic statement because i mean i'll be honest with you if if i was a, a big fan of a certain group or a, excuse me a developer i would be really excited if that was their response because we talk about this this podcast all the time like blizzard's response to something like that would be like ready right here it is
0: it was what what was the last That's thing it. you said oh oh, oh. <laughs> yeah they just say nothing i guess got- I thought I didn't I mean I didn't get the joke at first. Yeah, uh, I like mean,
1: that would be the extent of it. So that's, that's Yeah, no no, no that, cool. that,
0: that's that's his that's his act, that's his real response. Cool. Um So yeah, I mean, nothing to dislike there. I mean, obviously I think the ideal situation would have been that they didn't plan to get rid of it in the first place, but at the same time, I mean, it's an it's an e-shop. Everyone knows at some point it's going to go away, right? Yeah. Um I think part of the problem this this time around was along with just the general disappointment of uh oh, this is going away. It was announced pretty soon to when like the end of it was going to be, and also none of the develop no developers like had a heads up. So there were there Ooh. evidently are still people working on PS Vita games. And uh, there were people that were like, "Yeah, we were just blindsided by this. We're in the middle of making a game, and and now we're kind of screwed." That's so, kind of unfortunate. Yeah, but I'm glad it's uh, I'm glad they've they've kind of reversed uh, the decision. But I mean, this kind of this also, even though it turned out okay for now, it, it brings up the the problem of these uh, of e shops where game is exclusive you know, to an e-shop, one day there's not going to be able there one day there's not going to be a way to to get that, you know, those games. And yeah. I don't know, I mean, obviously the best the best case is just to leave the shops up for as long as possible, but one day this is still going to go away. And it uh it sucks for I guess for 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 game preservation that yeah. these are just going to go away someday.
1: I think that, I mean, my my dad, my dad's always a big, big uh, per- person of fear, but he's always kind of had that fear with like iTunes as well, right? Like, you know, people, I know people who spent, you know, hundreds, if not over a thousand dollars on iTunes, just buying music over the last 15 years at a certain point, you know, if Apple goes out of business or they, for whatever reason, decide to step away from iTunes, what happens to that money? You don't own the property, right? You don't have the physical, physical material of it. So I think there there's partially that concern with anything you buy like that, where you don't get a physical copy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Also, I think about
1: MMOs. Huh? Right? Like when you buy an MMO, when you buy an MMO, you know, like you you know that you can only
0: play that as long as there are servers, right? Yeah. So, so uh, it's an issue, but I don't know if there's a good solution. I don't think I, there is. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah, may, maybe give people more of a heads up when you do plan to to you know cut these things out. Especially Um, the developers. (laughs) Yeah, especially developers, but yeah, just kind of highlights that it is a problem. Cool. Uh, Moving on. A bunch of re-releases and that kind of stuff have been announced over the past few weeks. Let's start with uh, one, I think this was just today, it was either today or yesterday, they announced that Zombies Ate My Neighbors and its sequel, Ghoul Patrol, are getting re-released. Um is it for the PS Vita <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, it's switch uh switch steam and Gog um they're coming out June 29th. I haven't played zombies hate my neighbors, but it's supposed to be uh, a really good game. It was a it, I think it was a Super Nintendo game, right? I meant to look this up uh
1: oh, offhand actually I I'm, think that sounds right. I'm
0: pretty sure I never played it like I said' it was either Sega Genesis or super Super Nintendo it was oh it was both Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Uh, Okay, another one. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. There is evidently a remake in the works. This was reported by uh, Jason Schreier. I I don't think we have any details on it, just that they are working on a remake. I'm trying to remember. I don't know that I can think of a Star Wars game that they've actually had a remake of. So this is kind of interesting because I I don't think they've done that with any Star Wars games before. Um, anyway, obviously, Kotor is a very famous Star Wars RPG, so it's it's not really a surprise. I wonder I wonder what the extent of the remake is going to be. You know, I wonder if it's going to be like an actual remake made from the ground up with just kind of g- the same general story, but but everything is redone, or if it's going to be more of a remaster. Sounds the the, the wording was remake, so. Potentially could be really cool. I also wonder about the the canonicity of this. Like, will this be canon to the new? I guess it would be canon to the new Star Wars stuff. I, I I don't think there was anything in the original that would have been retconned by by all the new canons. So I guess I guess I guess it could still work just as well. Uh, super, yeah, Super Huey, one and two have been released on GOG. This is evidently a a helicopter uh like a like a helicopter shooting simulator, like a like a military helicopter simulator is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 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 I got it out. Uh, it's a very old game, but uh so I don't know I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it holds up. I don't know if it was any good to begin with, but that's on GOG now. Um Unreleased Super Nintendo title Nightmare Busters is back in development for PC and consoles. This is according to Destructoid. So, apparently there's this game called Nightmare Busters that was going to be released for Super Nintendo back in the day. And then they stopped production on it for whatever reason. And someone has picked it up and they're going to... It's not... They're kind of... They're not like finishing it because the graphics are... Completely modern graphics. It's it's more of like oh they they've got this the title and they're gonna kind of remake what the you know game would be if it had been made nowadays. Looks I don't really know much about it. it looks kind of like a like a two D action platformer. But uh yeah there's that another canceled game uh, Castlevania Resurrection. This was a Dreamcast Castlevania game. It's not getting an official release, but someone found the source code and has released it to the public. Or I I say found. I think it was a guy who's just had it all along. Um, Owner of the Sega Dreamcast Info Games Preservation website, acquired, acquired the prototype build via auction. This is according to Destructoid also. And has generally decided to dump the ROM online. So you can find that now again that's Castlevania Resurrection. I watched some gameplay footage and it's definitely not complete like there was a part where the person fell into a pit of lava. It's a 3d it's a 3d castlevania fell into a pit of lava and then they were just running around on top of the lava so certainly not finished but it, it, it'll still it's it's still cool for uh for Castlevania fans to to see this this unreleased game flashback is getting a sequel. You remember flashback? It came out in 1992. It was like the kind of like a puzzle platformer with a really good animation. Uh, you'd, you'd know it if you saw it. Yeah. I'm Googling right now. Um, now some, somebody's making a sequel to that one. Kind of, I guess it's, I mean, yeah, it's random, but I, I guess there's also, it's not like crazy random. There's, there's no reason not to. It was a good game back in the day. Why not? Why not make a sequel? Right. Yeah. You know, how it go, you know, how it goes, you know how it is. Well, it's easy money, right? Well, that's too. Kidding. Kidding. Um, you said you have something to talk about. Was yours Blizzard related? Yeah, it was. What did Blizzard do? Uh, So Blizzard, uh,
1: the Burning Crusade, was the first expansion for World of Warcraft. It came out a long time ago. It doesn't matter. So a lot of people have been anticipating this summer that they were going to release the
0: expansion for it. Uh, we were all waiting for what's hold called on, a on, pre-patch. Hold on, hold on. You're starting your... <laughs> We're still having some mic problems. You sound like kind of muffled and kind of clipping. Like, I think you might be a little too close now. I am not that close. Hold on one second. (laughs) Let me try
1: this. Is that any better?
0: So far, so good. I don't understand what that
1: is. I don't know what's going on with that. I didn't do anything different to Discord. So I don't know what it is.
0: Did you abuse your mic?
1: No, never. I love this microphone. I've had this microphone for a long time.
0: Did you Uh, abuse it out of love? uh, I can't, I can't
1: admit to that on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So, uh, they, so before they do a major release for an expansion, they do, what's called the pre-patch it's a patch before it's a pre-patch, right? It's a patch before we're talking about. And wow. essentially, yeah, 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 yeah. So they, people are anticipating the pre-patch because what is happening is a, we'll say sort of a new class and new race is becoming available. So what people wanted to do during the pre-patch was level the character from the base level up to, uh the level prior to the expansion so that they could play in the new content. So realistically to level the character to, if to max level, it takes on average roughly about 200 hours, right? And in the pre-patch, it gets, it gets, uh, corrected a little bit to somewhere probably close to like, if we're being friendly, probably like 120 hours. So it's still a really big time sink. So if you think if you, if you need to spend 120 hours leveling on, if you did that in a month, right, you, you'd have to play for four hours a day which is a lot, right? If you think about that, yeah, that's an extensive amount of time. It's a lot. So people are like estimating, like, well, maybe they'll give us two months because I need to play for two hours a day. That's somewhat feasible, right? Especially for sweaty nerds who play 10 hours, 10 hours a day on the weekend. You know, they could, they could level it out and figure it out, right? So Blizzard uh, accidentally leaked earlier this week or late last week the release date. It was 6-1. And they were like, hey, somebody, asked, so a bunch of people asked, took screenshots of it all over the internet within minutes. And people were speculating that maybe that was the pre-patch. They're going to do it 6.1. Or maybe it was just like a placeholder and they would fix it later on. Nope. They announced earlier this week that the pre-patch is going to be May 18th, a.k.a. next Tuesday. And people will have two fucking weeks to level from 1 to 60. Mm-hmm.
0: 120
1: hours in two weeks. 60 what what week. if you
0: don't, why is it bad if you don't? level because it's
1: you're going to be so far behind the curve i mean everybody's going to go into the new content they're going to be leveling and doing dungeons it's it wow well, well, is one of those things where if you're not in the, the main crowd you miss out on a lot of things you miss out on a lot of exciting things and it, it's kind of hard to explain but without going super far in depth it changes the game a lot if you are not a part of the initial pack that's moving through it so for me, I don't fucking care because I wasn't going to do it to begin with, but it's, it's kind of shitty of them. Like, it's, it's just so last minute, so rushed. And the anticipation or p- people are making a speculation it's because the current iteration of the retail or the current level of WoW is doing so poorly and they are failing to put out content for it fast enough to keep the player base around. So they're basically just leveraging this as an avenue to keep subscriptions going while they finish content for, for the current iteration of WoW which is probably true. I mean, that makes, that's from a strategy perspective, that makes a lot of sense. How fucking ever, uh, they decided to do something that I anticipated and I called this a long time ago. They decided to, uh, what's the word monetize the, you know, the first expansion to wow in
0: a really, really greedy, greedy fashion and in a very lazy fashion. <laughs> Jay, so, Jay, I'm sorry. It sounds like you're deep throating the mic. I'm not even that close to it. Oh, let me try. <laughs> do you, can you turn your game down? Can you turn the gain down or something? Do you have gain? I have a game on. You don't? No gain. Uh, what is gain? Gain is like how how strongly it picks up stuff. Do you have a gain control? No, Okay, I don't. Never mind. Let
1: me see. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's anything else I can do. I don't. There's no other settings in here. I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah, it says automatic game control.
0: Is that, maybe, is it on? Uh, yeah, it's on. Okay.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm, there's anything else. I don't know what's going on with it. Like, I, I have not changed anything in Discord since. Maybe it's because we're in a call and we're not in regular Discord. You is it what? possible? Let's
0: try to move over. Okay. I'll see you over there. Okay. I can't find our. our Discord, here it is. I couldn't find it at first. Okay. I don't know if it did any good, though. Does it still sound the same? Right now, you sound okay.
1: That's weird. I wonder what it is. Let me try closing all my other applications. If you
0: could just stand on the opposite side of your room for the whole time. It's that bad. (laughs) No, I
1: mean, I, I can move I mean, the microphone
0: further away. I'm exaggerating, but I mean, like, yeah, if you can't can move, move it away, away, yeah,
1: 100. Now it's we really it closer.
0: Well, I know because now it's really echoey, but it's better than how it, than how it did sound. How's that? That's pretty good. Okay. I'll if you can like maintain this exact distance and volume for the whole episode, then that'd be great. I can try. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, so- No, it's all good.
1: So so what they did in order to try and profit off of the so again, this is a re-release of content that they've already fucking done. And the community asked them explicitly, please don't try to over monetize it and ruin the game. So I wouldn't say they ruined the game, but they're definitely on the verge of damaging some of the integrity of it. So what they did is I I think that if the dollar amounts are off by a little bit, I'm sorry, I I don't have it up in front of me because I just was so pissed about reading about this. But they so you can basically purchase on your account, you can pay, I think it's $40 to have a character boosted to the to level 58, which is basically the level you want to be going into the new content. You pay so you can do it once $40. Ugh. Right. So $40. Fucking dollars. Uh, you can't do it for the class and races that I was talking about before. So people are like, oh, why don't the people who don't have time to level just buy a character boost? You can't do that. Those have restrictions in place where you can't boost them. So there's that. Um, they added a, a deluxe version. Now, now here's the fucking crazy thing: you don't have <laughs> okay. to buy the game, right? It is free, right? It is free. You're supposed to pay fifteen dollars a month. The expansion is also free because Blizzard cannot sell it legally. They tried. The players told them to fuck off because you can't sell something that people already have on their accounts, right? I already own Burning Crusade, so they can't sell me the Burning Crusade again. But what they, they can didn't fucking stop sell them with
0: Warcraft Three.
1: That is true. That is actually very true. Oh, let's not let's not go there. Uh, anyways, so so they're selling a deluxe version of Burning Crusade, right? So, what the fuck would a deluxe version of a free game be? So you get the character boost, okay? So forty dollar value. You get thirty day game time, so roughly fifteen dollars. That puts us at fifty five dollars. You get uh, a mount in game and some other minor bullshit as a part of it. 70 fucking dollars. Whoa! Seven that's that's more than a triple A title. They're, they're charging $70 for re-released content. $70. That's steep. That's ridiculous. Like that's insane. Like they actually think that if people are fucking Oh, I forgot to say the worst part. Uh-oh. So here's the crazy thing. So on top of all of that mound of bullshit if you so so right now the game is in in classic right it's in the original state that it was in when burning crusade when the pre-patch hits in a week here when you log in you're going to get prompted with window that says hey do you want to transfer do you want your character to move on to the burning crusade you can say yeah oh and they'll say but do you want to keep it in classic you're like well fuck it i'll probably keep it in classic as well right because you might want to go back and play the original version of wow well only one of them is free if you want to do both of them you have to pay blizzard an additional 35 fucking dollars in order to port your character to a database where your character already exists okay like like <laughs> You've got—they're not even trying anymore. Like before, they were at least wearing somewhat of a mask, like one of those yeah. smiling faces, like Guy Fox masks or something. Now they're just <laughs> fucking Jason running down your fucking wallet. Like it's—it's it's crazy to me. Like they don't even care about the greed that they show at all. It's—it's it's just appalling. Like it's just. Damn. It is so crazy to me. And the the crazy part is so people are livid, right? So people are on the internet, of course, they're bitching and moaning. Understandably, yeah. I totally agree with them. Blizzard's, Blizzard's the most greedy fucks. But the people defending Blizzard to me are some of the most brain dead fucking morons I've ever seen. There are so many people defending them, like saying how, how this costs them resources and different things. So it's like they just laid off 200 people. It's just crazy to me, and and the worst part is, so Blizzard during their layoffs, they laid off their entire esports division, which included WoW. So so WoW esports division is basically at this point, or at least it's on hiatus. They said they're going to try and do something with it, which they can lick my balls. Like it just it just doesn't even make sense.
0: You didn't even you didn't even you you didn't even use the ligma. You just went straight for the actual sentence on that on that one. You like that,
1: yeah. So, so there's a really famous streamer for everybody. who follows WoW. Well. His name's Asmongold. Um, he streams a lot. He did his own tournament. He did an invitational. And uh, he, he basically ran it with just some really simple people and executed it substantially better than most Blizzard tournaments. Yeah. And it's just crazy to me that Blizzard was, was making such a big deal out of you know how much money they were saving and not using on esports. And then somebody's just like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to do my own tournament. I'll fund the whole thing myself. Like I'll hire people. And it's just... It's just crazy, man. Blizzard is just—it's just mortifying, man. Seventy dollars for a deluxe version of a game you already fucking sold us fifteen years ago.
0: It's it, just—is the mount badass? Who cares?
1: Whenever you see these mounts, <laughs> I, I, no, seriously, in in MMOs, generally speaking. Uh, in my group of friends and most people I talk to, if you see somebody using one of those purchased mounts, there are mounts in Wild WoW that are, you know, 20, 30, 40 dollars, you berate those people, make fun of them because it's just such a <laughs>
0: Really? Uh,
1: That's not how it is in
0: Final Fantasy. It's
1: cuz I, I it's not it's not acquired through means of right. spending a lot of time in the game, farming something or being really good at PvP and getting a mount or doing a bunch of dungeons to acquire something. You pull out your wallet in order to glamor glamorize your character like it's just such a it's just such a boring achievement like it just i don't know i i like there, there's a mount you get if you buy 6 months of game time and it's just like people who do it every single time we make fun of them because it's just like such a fucking boring thing there's there's so many cool mounts in the game and to, to use this mount that is just tainted with a dollar sign it's just i don't know it's kind of pathetic in my opinion but sir. Okay. Mean, if you enjoy it. I don't like you, but you know, that's you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'm not.
0: But you don't have to be liked by Jay.
1: That's true. Most people, I like most people.
0: Speaking of mounts, like yeah. I got a new one in Final F- I didn't I didn't pay for it. I had to grind to get it. But I got the fucking T-Rex from Final Fantasy 12 that kills you in 2 oh, seconds. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a good one. Anything else? <laughs> No, I think you're good otherwise. Oh, oh, uh Strong Museum Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. The inductees. So I feel like I've read this list a million times. Sorry for everyone, but just for the sake of understanding what made it and what didn't. The Strong Museums World Video Game Hall of Fame. Uh their induction was a week ago for the for the new Hall of Fame games. They picked four games. They had ten nominees. The uh, 10 nominees this time were Animal Crossing, Call of Duty, Farmville, FIFA International Soccer, Guitar Hero, Mattel Football, which was the 1977 handheld, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Pole Position, Portal, StarCraft, Tron, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. The ones that made it were Animal Crossing, Microsoft Flight Simulator, StarCraft, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego.
1: Yeah, I saw, I saw some of the original Blizzard staff tweeting about the StarCraft one, you know, like saying. Oh, like, cool. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty excited about that. So Animal Crossing is an obvious one. StarCraft is an obvious one. Yep. So which ones were, were, were we surprised didn't make it through?
0: The only one. Well, I'm not. I wouldn't say too surprised because all of these were good ones and some good ones had to not make it. The two that I that were on my list that did not make it were Call of Duty and Guitar Hero. But I'm not surprised I am I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised that those didn't beat out the ones that did make it. Sure. I think that it's makes a sense. Really good list this time.
1: Uh, I had StarCraft, Animal Crossing, Flight Simulator, Guitar Hero, and Portal were my five. So two of my or three of my five made it through. Actually, yeah. one, two, and three made it in.
0: Yeah, your wow. your list and mine was exactly the same, except instead of portal I had Call of Duty. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the games that we've been playing. Um, maybe I'll I'll go first if that's cool with you. How many games do you have? Three. Yeah. How,
1: can you do one and then I'll do one. Yeah. And then b- based on time, I may talk about a second one, just depending
0: on how long we're. Okay. Then I'll, I'll do um. Sh- I, that means I shouldn't do my super short one first, then. I'll probably do a chunky boy first. Yeah. Chunker. Okay. Um, you pick. You. P- I'll let you pick, Jay. Star Wars Rebel Assault or Blade Runner?
1: Oh, I want to hear Rebel Assault because I played that not too long ago myself.
0: Rebel Assault? I don't think you played. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you I sure? Play of the Empire. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> I was just about to say you always get confu- confused about Star Wars games. Listen, there's <laughs> a million of them, and most of them are questionable. So, okay, I played Rebel Assault. It came out in 1993. This was a CD-ROM game for PC. Evidently, it also came out on. Uh, 3DO, and Sega Genesis? How's that? I'll have to look I'll to look into that later. But this is Rebel Assault. It is a, it's a rail, uh, an on-rails shooter. Okay. It is <laughs> known for being very difficult and having bad controls. And I, I had this game when it came out. This was, This is like the quintessential CD-ROM style game, just the way it looks. There's no FMV. But everything has this kind of realistic look, but also super, super grainy at the same time. Just kind of yeah, how you expect. Right huh? Yeah, okay. I'm looking at pictures right now. Yeah, just how you expect old CD ROM games to be. So it's like, if you want to see what a CD ROM game looked like back in 1993, just pop in Rebel Assault and, and you've got it. The uh, So, as I said, it's a rail shooter. The idea is you are a rookie joining the Rebel Alliance. And the story starts right before for the beginning of a new hope. And it starts you off with like a few training missions. Now the training missions are on a secret Tatooine rebel base, which I don't know how, how up on your star Wars lore you are, Jay, but there's definitely no, no talk ever of a, of a rebel base being on Tatooine, nor would that make any sense whatsoever. So that's kind of a. It's kind of one of those things where they just said, "Oh, let's put on Tatooine because everybody wants to, you know, be on Tatooine because that's where Luke's from." So that part is is dumb that they said that there's a rebel base there. But anyway, the first level it has you flying uh, civilian ships. It's the T. Oh gosh, I, I feel like I'm not a Star Wars nerd anymore. Is T sixteen? Skyhopper, I think that's right. I'm looking this up, the wrong person, sorry. T, hold on, T16 Skyhopper. Yeah, a T16 Skyhopper, that's exactly right. Phew, I was doubting myself for a second. You are in a T16 Skyhopper on the first mission. Again, this is just a civilian craft, and it's, f- it's for training. And what you're doing is flying, you're just flying through a canyon. And you fly through the canyon, and then after that, you fly kind of, it kind of switches to an overhead view where you're also flying through canyons and shooting down some target drones. And that's the first level. They're just like, oh yeah, let's make sure you you know just how to fucking fly and you're not just a dumbass. So first level. It took me probably six tries to get through it without dying. You start flying, and the controls are just insane. You t- So I was playing with the joystick, okay? It's how it's meant to be played. You Tilt the joystick just the tiniest bit and you go flying. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. This game has possibly the worst controls out of any game I've ever played. Eight. And so it's a real, as I said, it's a rail shooter, but you have control over, you have like control over fine details of where you are. So your point of view is from behind the ship that you're flying. Uh, there, there are some where it's it, where the point of view is within the ship. But on this level, you are behind your ship and of course the camera goes in a fixed way every time. You can't control where the camera is, but you control like where within the camera's field of view where your ship is. So it makes it very awkward because the camera will, will turn and that might cause you that like has a little bit of influence on the on the direction you're going, but not a whole lot. And so you also, like, the camera's turning the ship and you're turning the ship at the same time. Uh, So with those, like, two different forces acting on the ship at once, along with the controls already being bad, it makes it damn near impossible to control the ship. If you're turning one way and then you start turning back the other way and then the camera goes the same way, it just launches you off to the side. It is nuts, like, how, just how bad the controls are so not like not only can is it hard to just very gently like turn a little bit here and there you're but like you also have the camera shoving you in this direction and that all over the place so just fly just staying in the middle of a canyon through through various turns and stuff is very difficult to do until you really really get a good handle on just like how how wonky everything is so after you get through the first level then you go then you're in an a wing and you're in an asteroid field, and this one you are. Uh, it is first-person view. This level is much easier. The second level is much easier. You just have to dodge asteroids, and then there are some like giant ice chunk asteroids, and you're supposed to shoot those. As long as you don't get hit by anything, you're fine. There's not walls on each side of you, like like on the canyon level, so it's not as it's not nearly as hard to to stay alive on this one. Um, then. The third level, you're in the A-Wing again, and I think this one is back to how the first one was, if I remember correctly, where, it's, where you're behind, it's like a kind of an over-the-shoulder view of your A-Wing, and it's another one, also just like the first level, where you're not in a canyon, but you're. it kind of is a canyon-like area, might as well be a canyon, but there's also these kind of like pillars, these big like crystalline pillars that have fallen over and stuff, and you have to fly under them and go over them and this kind of stuff, again super hard it's just really 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 difficult to get uh careful enough control over the ship without just swinging yourself all the way to the left or right to try to go under things and dodge stuff and stay within the walls without without hitting the edges um but after a few tries it's doable i got past this level eventually the fourth level is an attack on a star destroyer. And, th- and I remembered this one. I'm pretty sure when I was little, this was as far as I ever got. There's a, uh, there's a star destroyer attacked attacking your secret rebel base on tattooing. And they're launching everybody to go out and, t- and attack it. But it's just, here's another thing that uh, canon wise really doesn't make sense. It's just you in your X-Wing verse a star destroyer, which if you know anything about Star Wars, that's a ridiculous prospect, but that's 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 what it is. That's what it is in this game. You versus Star Destroyer, you're supposed to take it out. So what you do is the 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 way the rails path takes you is you fly along one side of the Star Destroyer and there's all these turrets on the side of it shooting at you. You can't really do anything to dodge them. All you have to do, all you can do is shoot them out. Before they're able to fire at you. So you just. And you might not be able to get all of them. And you don't have to get all of them. At least not the first. At least not on the first loop. But you're just trying to wipe out as many as you can. So you try to wipe out as many as you can. Then you come out the other end. And then you kind of go into open space for a second. And a few TIE fighters come at you. And you. It's kind of the same thing. You got to. There's not really any dodging. You just have to shoot them down. Before they're able to shoot you. Then it goes toward. The shield generators on the Star Destroyer. And you just have to whale on them as much as possible with your lasers. And that's how you eventually destroy it. Once you shoot the uh, shield generators enough, then the whole thing just explode. Oh, no, no, sorry. It doesn't explode. Then you get to do, then you do like a torpedo run on the star destroyer. Um, But I'm getting ahead of myself. You, it takes you to the, uh, the shield generators. You shoot them. You just like point at them and click as fast as you can uh, on the joystick to shoot them as much as you can. Then it goes over the edge. You go out into open space again. Shoot some more TIE Fighters. Then you go along the other side of the Star Destroyer. This side also has a bunch of laser turrets. Shoot them down as many as you can. Pop out into open space. Shoot TIE Fighters. Then start all the way back at the beginning on the first side of the Star Destroyer. Going alongside and shooting down turrets. And it does, so like if you destroy turrets the first time, they stay destroyed. So the turrets don't respawn. So that's good. Makes it a lot easier the second time around. Um, you, by, by the end of your second loop, you'll probably have destroyed all of the turrets. If not, maybe you just like missed one or two. But it keeps doing this loop over and over and over. And then, uh, you know, eventually you get to the to the shield generators. You shoot on them as much as you can, trying to blow them up. And it takes like probably about four passes four loops through the whole entire thing to kill it. But it gets so tedious because when you're going down the, the side of the star destroyer where the turrets were, well, once you've destroyed them, then when you get to that part, there's just nothing to do. So you just literally sit there for 30, 45 seconds and wait until you pop out the other side. Then you got to shoot the tie fighters. Then you get to shoot the shield generators again, then shoot more tie fighters. Then you get back to the other side. Turrets are all gone. Probably. So then you just sit there and wait again. So like, not only is the whole thing just repetitive because you're doing a loop over and over again, but on many parts of the loop or on a couple parts of the loop, there's nothing to do because you will have destroyed the, uh, the turrets, you know, by the probably by the end of the second loop. Eventually you uh, shoot the shield generators enough that you destroy them. And then it's like, all right, now you got to basically fly straight and head on and shoot it with the torpedo to take it down and it's back to holy shit controls once again it's so hard to keep the um target centered on the star destroyer so that you can shoot the torpedo on it because you have to like hold it there and let it lock on for uh, for a few seconds and i couldn't do it luckily that it's not necessary because if you don't do it uh then your like trainer or whoever says like oh like I'll take, I guess I'll take care of it if you're not able to. And then they shoot it down for you and you still pass the mission anyways. So I got past that one. And then I got to the final mission that I was able to get to, which is kind of just insanity. It takes you back to the very first Canyon level, but you're chasing three TIE fighters through the Canyon. And it is, impossible to navigate and aim at this tie at the tie fighters at the same time because they're pretty far ahead of you so they're very small on your screen so it is very very difficult to get to get an aim on them I was usually able to right at the start is the easiest time to shoot them down right when you first start off most of the time I could shoot down two of the three within the first like five seconds. And then once you start turning through corners and stuff like that, it's impossible. I just shot nonstop while trying to, you know, like swing side to side, basically like flinging all over the place, trying to avoid canyon walls, and I could not hit the last Tie Fighter for the life of me. It is, and that that was the mission I couldn't get. I could never get past this one because I could never get the damn third Tie Fighter. It's. Especially for a game whose sole purpose is to, like, have you be aiming at things to shoot them. It was... In uh, controlling a spacecraft, the controls are insanely terrible. Like I said, without exaggerating, possibly the worst controls I've ever had in a video game. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, not very good. And I remembered it not being great. I remembered it being difficult. But I don't know what, what made me in the mood for it all of a sudden but i was like you know what i really want to uh to give this one a try i think it was just nostalgia i was like i just want to see what it's like if it's still exactly how i thought and i also just kind of felt like playing a cheesy cd-rom style game sure so yeah that did it it it, 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 i got my fill you know played it for about probably an hour or so and uh that's that's definitely all i all i cared for
1: that was a lot to talk about for only playing an hour
0: (laughs) yeah i talked about it for just about the same amount of time right (laughs)
1: don't <laughs> know what I meant, but sure. Go with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's uh not not too good, unfortunately. All right, Jay, you wanted to go next, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, we can kind of break it up and see see how we're doing on pacing. Um, yeah. Sure. So the first game I played for the podcast is is really two two parts. Um, but so I went camping a couple weeks ago, and whenever I go camping, Hunter and I always play a Pokemon game together. And we'll generally do what's called a Nuzlocke. And I know I've talked about this in podcasts before, but for those who don't know what a Nuzlocke is, essentially, Pokemon games are generally considered to be pretty easy at this point, uh, just because it's a really simple procedure, right? So you start playing the game, you get your Pokemon, you level them up, you go to the gym, you kill the gym, and you rinse and repeat that to the end. That's the general path to go through. And for the most part, it's pretty darn easy as long as you don't do anything you know, ridiculously dumb. So what a Nuzlocke is, is it allows you to add some additional rules to it to make it a little bit more challenging and a little bit more interesting. But this time we also added in what's called a randomizer. And so we did this for Pokemon Crystal. And Pokemon Crystal is basically the combined versions of gold and silver, which are probably my favorite iterations of Pokemon, if I had to say. Um, We did it initially with Leaf Green, which is like a re-release of one of the older, one of the original uh, Pokemon games. But we spent a lot more time playing Crystal. And so what Wait, with so, the nutslock? So rules...
0: So Crystal is the one?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Crystal is the one we played. It's a combination of silver and gold. Gotcha. So what we did... So so the basic rules we put in place using nutslock is if a Pokemon dies, you have to get rid of it. That, that's the first rule, which obviously creates some pretty big challenges because if you've never played a Pokemon game before, you can lose Pokemon to some really shitty stuff. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. The second rule is every area that you go to... Uh, where you can catch Pokemon. Whatever the first Pokemon you encounter is, that is the only Pokemon you can catch. So if you walk into an area and you find a Weedle, <laughs> guess what? You can only catch a Weedle. If you get is a Hoobidget, meaning you already have one, what was that? Is Weedle bad? Yeah, Weedle's bad. Okay. It turns into B Drill. But anyways, it's uh, so he's not bad early on, but later on he's just kind of dog do. So uh, if if you already have the Pokemon, then you can go again and find a different Pokemon. Right. So there is some strategy to try and capturing as many Pokemon as you can with, you know, obviously you can only do one per area. So along the way, because, you know, if you forego a Pokemon, guess what? You might encounter that Pokemon later and beat yourself up because now you've had two chances where you have to catch it and you've could have just caught it the first time and then gotten a reroll the second time. So that's the, the first thing that we did. So that already creates some fun to it. I used to do Nuzlocke runs when I was a lot younger. I haven't done them in a while because realistically, it's it's a nice addition, but it's also still kind of easy for the most part. You know, the game is, the, the reason is, is, is generally in the early stages of the game, you can only catch, we'll say weaker, more simple Pokemon. And then later on, you can catch better Pokemon. So it basically still ramps up at an equal pacing. You know, the gym leaders generally are ramped up. Uh, in equivalent fashion so ultimately the game doesn't get that much harder we'll say okay so we added the randomizer into it and the randomizer is really cool it's a it's a whole community thing that people have created it's basically a program where you take the rom you can randomize certain elements it prints out a md or excuse me it prints out an actual rom that has the emulations on it and then what I did is I dispersed it to everybody who was playing there was like four or five of us that were playing through it and so what we did is you can randomize the starter Pokemon which we did uh, you can randomize the TMs, which are called uh, te- technical machines, I think. It's basically these little capsules you get that allow you to teach your Pokemon different abilities. And so they are one-time use. So generally throughout the game, you, you get them, you can teach them to your Pokemon, uh, but it's a one-time use type thing. Well, we randomize those. So from going from being like really early game ones, you can get some freaking nutty ones very early on, but do you want to risk it to a Pokemon? Because if that Pokemon dies, guess what? You lose the Pokemon and you lose that TM. So... There's some risk involved there. We also randomized the items that you find throughout the world. So you could find like a super potion right off the bat, which is like a high level item. You could also find some really cool, we'll call it equipment. It's basically items that the Pokemon can hold that amplify their abilities or other positive effects. We also randomized all of the Pokemon in the world as well as all the trainers Pokemon So when you fight people they could have crazy absolute batshit stuff now We just still balanced it So it's not like you know, you run into the first battle and the guy has like a tier 3 Pokemon We there's a setting that's like of equivalent value, but still random which is cool It makes it a little more reasonable, but also we did it for the gyms and the gyms were insane So uh, I I will tell you I did two full runs Uh, I Played through it the first time and I got, uh, so if, if you lose all your Pokemon, if, if, if you lose a couple Pokemon, you're probably fucked because you, j- so in Pokemon games, you only get money from fighting other trainers. There's a limited number of trainers that are in the world. So if you basically blow through all your money and you can't beat any more trainers, you have no more money. Oh, wow. So it requires you to grind endlessly in order to get back up and it's just, It's just not worth it. Also, if you lose a lot of good Pokemon, and you're only finding bad Pokemon, and you can only catch a certain number of Pokemon, you get put in a really shitty spot. So, my first run, I ended up wiping at what's called the Elite Four. It's after you do the initial clearing of all the gyms, you go to like a midway boss point, which is these five, there's five, I know it's uh, stupid, but there are these five really badass trainers, and they have extremely high level Pokemon, Uh, they're generally very strong, and blah, 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 blah. Well, I got destroyed by them. So, I was the furthest one in so at that point we decided to do a reroll and we re-randomized it because there were some bullshit things that happened through the run and we did it again and I played it non-stop for I don't even know how long I probably spent 15 <laughs> hours playing, playing Pokemon over like two or three days uh, of just leveling Pokemon and trying to capture things I didn't lose a Pokemon the second run for the longest time and then I lost five Pokemon in a single day and I was pissed I was super pissed because I kept losing to the dumbest shit the, the stuff I can't lose a Pokemon 2 was self-destruct, which self-destruct can ligma. Oh my God, mm-hmm. self-destruct can suck my ass. It's so ridiculous. So so this is this is the game. This is the game's middle finger throughout the entire thing. You will fight a trainer. They have an Electrode, which is like the little Pokemon look, Pokemon, Pokeball looking Pokemon. I know that's a weird sentence, but, uh, and you encounter it. And what does it do on its first fucking turn? It just self-destructs and kills your Pokemon. And it's like, bro. <laughs> You don't win if you do that. Like, I still win because you had a Pokemon. I still have five Pokemon left. You just happen to kill my Pokemon, which now I have to get rid of. There's other Pokemon throughout the game that kept doing it to me, which was insane. There's also an ability. They kept doing this thing. I don't remember what the exact name of it is, but it's basically like they put up this shield. And if you hit the shield, it does no damage to the Pokemon. And then they just do double damage for the amount of damage you did to them back. So if you crit them or if you use something that's super effective against them, they basically turn it right back around. They do the reverse Uno card and slap you in the face and kill your Pokemon. (laughs) That happened a bunch of times. There's also this Pokemon that decides that it's just going to kill itself and it's going to take you with it. And it's kind of like self-destruct, but it's just as bad. And it was like, are you kidding me? So uh, it was really fun. the The actual Nuzlocke itself was great. Uh, Hunter and I had a lot of fun. You know, I would just randomly get blown up in text throughout the day, like this stupid fucking trainer killed three of my Pokemon, and I'm just over there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're falling behind. Like, you know, it's it's kind of a race too, right? There's four or five yeah. of us doing it, and it was really fun to explore the gyms because as you go through the gyms, it's like if you go into the gyms too early. In a lot of cases, you're gonna get stomped because the people on the way, because in the gyms, there's like a number of trainers, then there's the gym leader. The trainers have random Pokemon of equivalent value. Sometimes, if they have like what's called a a semi-legendary, I don't know what all this means, Hunter explained this to me. So if they have like what's considered to be like a semi-legendary, well, they could just get a legendary in place of that because it's considered to be equivalent value. So one of the trainers just whipped out a fucking legendary against me, and I'm like, oh my god, like (laughs) I, I was not ready for it. I'm like, okay, so I had to no joke. This is what I did. So each Pokemon has four abilities. They have MP. It's called PP. I don't know. Pokemon power, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, they have PP that, that values for each one of their abilities. And as soon as that PP runs out, they can no longer use that ability. Uh, at the end of it, they use it, if they run out of all PP and all their abilities, they do what's called struggle, where they basically just throw their body at you and they take damage in the process. To beat the Legendary, I had to literally heal my Pokemon until he ran out of PP on four abilities with an average PP power of like 10 to 15. So somewhere between 40 and 60 moves, I survived by just healing my Pokemon with potions, which have a limited quantity and a cost to them when I have very limited funding, over and over and over until he ran out of PP and all he did was struggle himself to death. That's what I had to do. And it was insane. It was like a 30-minute fight with with just one Pokemon, which (laughs) was... was it insane. was a 30 minute fight. It was a 30 minute fight of me just fucking healing my Pokemon over and over and over. <laughs> and just, this guy's just thrown his body at me. And I'm like, stop. Like, let me just heal. And I'm just like, if he crits, I'm dead. So. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I lost some really, I was really sad. I lost some pretty good Pokemon along the way. And then when I got to the Elite Four. So the Elite Four are, again, five badass trainers who have super high level Pokemon. Uh, they generally just have the most ridiculous things. There's an ability called Rollout. I almost wiped. And when you when I when I call it a wipe, that means I almost lost all my Pokemon to one fight. And mm-hmm. if I lose all my Pokemon, I have to start over, right? Because if I lose six high-level Pokemon, I have to go to my bank and withdraw all the garbage Pokemon that I've been putting in there in hopes that I can build another party. And good luck building a party after wiping. It's it's basically impossible. So there's a there's an ability called Rollout. And what it does is over five turns it ramps up damage. So let's say it does two damage then four damage, then eight, 16, 32. It doubles up to five times and it can be super effective, which means it does even more damage. It can also, I think it can crit. So what ends up happening is in a lot of cases, I know rollouts coming because there are specific Pokemon that do it. So I pull out a Pokemon that I know can beat it. I swing, miss. And I'm like, oh shit, he rolls out. It does like a third of my Pokemon's health. And I'm like, okay, if he hits me again, I'm probably dead. uh, So I'm gonna try and hit it, kill him first. I swing, I miss again. He hits me, I live with 5% health. Now, I have a decision. Do I heal that Pokemon to full? Well, it's probably gonna die anyways, right? Because Rollout is ramping up. It's doubling every single time. So I either keep that Pokemon out, heal them, they're still dead, uh, and then switch out another Pokemon. But guess what? He's still in Rollout. So the next time I pull out a Pokemon, he's gonna roll out again and kill my next Pokemon. And then guess what? I'm gonna pull out another Pokemon and get rolled out for the, thir- or for the fifth time and it's gonna one-shot my last Pokemon. So what I did in that circumstance is I threw trash. I was just h- in garbage in the fucking field, just <laughs> hoping that he would eat him up, and he did. So he basically burned his rollouts out of Pokemon that I didn't care about as much, and nice. then I ultimately killed him.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah,
1: so you have, to re- you have to basically react to this on the fly. So there's a lot of strategy to it. There's a lot of bullshit to it, but there's a lot of strategy to it. And it was very fun because Throughout the game, you're like, okay, I have a bunch of water types. I have no electric types. I really need electric Pokemon. So you're, and again, it's randomized. So you have to be very strategic. So at times you're just like running around to new zones, just trying to find new Pokemon. But also you have to keep in mind if you're too high level, you have to weaken the Pokemon in order to catch them generally. So if you're too high level, you're just going to one shot the wild Pokemon. And guess what? You don't get to cap- capture it then. So there's a lot of thought process that goes into it. Obviously, there's a lot of grinding that goes into it. Uh, it's, it's a turn based. Pokemon games. So there's a lot of grind that goes into it. Um, and then after you beat the elite five or elite four or five, whatever you want to call it, you basically go back through and do another run through of another continent of gyms. And that was just a cakewalk after beating the elite four or five, whatever. Uh, I just crushed the second Island. It was just like, I, I lost like one Pokemon, I think through the entire thing to some bullshit. And just walk my way through now at the very end which is mm-hmm. kind of cool This is kind of spoilery for anybody who cares okay. after you beat all the 16 gyms and you beat Elite four five uh, You have to fight red and who who is red? Well, it's you from a previous game You actually fight yourself uh, Of what's assumed to be you from one of the previous games. He is insanely high level. He has a extremely high level Pokemon. He has like a level 80 Pokemon, which at this point in the game, I was like level 55. Like th- that's how much of a difference there was. So you have to get your way to him, which the cave he's in can fuck off. It's so ridiculous. And were, the Pokemon in there were vicious. But the interesting thing is because of the randomizer again, his Pokemon are random, right? So it's of equivalent value and he rolled really, really low. His Pokemon were generally dogdew except he had two Pokemon that had rollout. And it's it came up and I was like, no, 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 we're not doing up? this again. That's the ability I was talking about that multiplies every single hit. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I, I, he does it. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing this again. Like, I, I can't lose any Pokemon. I'm at the very, very last boss. I'm like, oh, my God. So I did so. I, I basically just like pulled out a Pokemon. I raised its defense as much as I could. And then I just healed my way through it over and over and over. And I was able to survive it. So I ended up beating him. Uh, I did lose Pokemon in the process, but it wasn't that bad. And what's cool about it too is, and I, this is kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing about uh, the lore of the game, I guess. But when you talk to Red, he's just kind of chilling there. He doesn't say anything. You just talk to him, and he just says dot dot dot, and then you fight him. And it's you from the prior <laughs> game, which I forgot about. And then when you beat him, he just goes dot dot dot, and then he walks away, <laughs> and that's it, and that's the end of the game. Uh, so yeah, so that's I spent. That's the very last boss, and it's really hard. He's he's really, really hard, uh, especially if you're playing on a normal game. Now, I will tell you, we're probably going to play another Nuzlocke here pretty soon. If he rolls high, because he rolled low for us, uh, which I was the only one to beat him, I think. But if he rolls high, you're fucked. Like, there's just no way. He, he can have a, a level 80 Pikachu, which I know that doesn't mean a lot to anybody, but... Pikachu is a really fast Pokemon and has lightning bolt, obviously, because he's Pikachu. But it does insane damage and he has very high speed, so he can obliterate your party very quickly. He has high evasion, like it's just he can roll very, very high, uh, which which can be pretty challenging. So, um, needless to say, we're probably gonna do more randomizers and Nuzlocke runs. It's, it's kind of cool. I mean, the randomizing element of it is very interesting because you basically have to survive the early stages of the game with the resources you're given between the items you find, the Pokemon you find, and realistically the trainers that you encounter because you can't beat everything early on. You can't just A way through it like you can with, with older Pokemon games. Two reasons. One, because you'll probably die. But two, when you die, you lose your Pokemon. So you have to be very aware of what you're doing for the most part, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, And the last thing is, you have to build a a strategy, a Pokemon strategy, off of the dog do you're given. If you get a bunch of dog do Pokemon early on, you have to build a party out of it, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of fun when you're using not that great a Pokemon, but you're using them in such a way that they're really effective. And as well, you have a rival throughout the game that you encounter, which mine mine was named Hunter, of course, because Hunter's my rival. (laughs) But uh, he has the same set of Pokemon throughout the game, so you can build a party around him. And, And by the way, early on, the rival is really hard because he generally has really good Pokemon and you have to do, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. So um, it was very fun. A little anxiety-ridden at times, a little frustrating because you're just like, oh, I don't want to lose anything. Um, But I really enjoyed it. And I think we did a great job of balancing the randomizer along with the Nuzlocke. So I would recommend it for anybody who enjoys playing Pokemon games and is looking for a little bit of an extra challenge. Uh, I would say look into both the randomizer and Nuzlocke, but also look into the communities. There's some pretty cool communities where people have modded the original ROMs for those games and done some pretty cool stuff to make it a little bit more interesting and balanced. So um, yeah, we're going to play, I think Hunter wants to play Black and White, which I've never played before. I don't know when that came out. I think that's a little bit newer, Uh, but I'll probably do some more runs of of crystal or silver or gold here in the near future. Just keep continuing to randomize through it. Oh, by the way, randomizing your starter is really fun too. Because your starters, you know, you're, if you for people who haven't played Pokemon, your starter Pokemon is really exciting. You know, you generally get a choice of three Pokemon, and, you know, that's going to be your friend throughout the entire thing. Which I, I don't think I lost my starter, actually, now that I think about it. I don't think but, uh... I lost my starter at all. I lost a Zapdos, which uh, I was really pissed about. I lost it to something really stupid, too. Oh, yeah? I don't remember what it was, but... Needless yeah, to say, I had a lot of fun with this. This was a great camping activity, especially you know at the nighttime when you can't really do a whole lot. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed it. It was it was super fun. So uh, if anybody has any questions or is interested on it, let me know. I'd be happy to send you the links or I can even send you the ROM that we used for it.
0: But, that let's sounds see. like the, like I don't. I'm not planning on it. But if I were to play another or try to play Pokemon again, this sounds like the way that I would be interested. This is a, this sounds like what would make me interested enough to to push me to doing it. But I don't think I would still.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. If you ever want to do it with us, let us know because it was really fun to just kind of text and and talk shit about. So, my final party was Gengar, which is a ghost type Pokemon, Houndoom, which is a dark fire Pokemon, Uh, Ampharos, which is a lightning type, Slowbro, which is water psychic, and Quagsire, which is water ground. Uh, And my last one was Hitmonlee. Everybody knows who Hitmonlee is if you know Pokemon. Uh, such a badass. Oh, my God. He was such a monster throughout the entire thing. I just kept pumping him with really high damaging fighting fighting abilities. He almost died a few times, but he had this high jump kick, which has a really high chance to miss. But when it doesn't, ooh, buddy, it hits so hard. And then he has an ability called rolling kick where it's a fighting type again. So um, if he misses, it says like he continues kicking and crashes into the wall and he takes damage. He, he deals damage to himself, which is kind of funny. It's really bad at times, obviously, because you, know, you don't want your Pokemon to die. But uh, yeah, that was my party at the, at the end of it. But it was, uh, it was a pretty nasty party, to say the least.
0: That sounds fun. Sounds I want to play again. It was very fun. <laughs> do I have to let you go now? Yeah, right. Uh, okay, what was your... Do you want to go ahead and do your second one?
1: No, I don't. I'm going to go up my door. I'll be right
0: back. It's really fine. Okay. Well... While he's going to do that, I'll start talking. Well, no, I guess I got to wait for him to, so he can know what game I'm talking about. So here we are. Just just me and the listeners. I heard that. Relax. Uh,
1: no, okay. I'll, I'll wait till next time, actually. I wasn't sure how long I was, I was going to talk about Pokemon. Um, I feel like a pretty, pretty good time. So I'm still playing my other game right now. Now I'm, I'm okay. playing Tactics right now, which, by the way, is still a fantastic oh, nice. game. Uh, such, <laughs> big such a big surprise. Game. Oh, such a beautiful game. Uh, it's just it's just so ridiculous. So we, we won't go there again. Uh, <laughs> so I'm playing Tactics right now. Uh, I, yeah, right? No, no, no. Uh, which, is, which is just great. But uh, I play Pokemon a lot, and then there's another game I'm playing right now, which I've talked about before in the podcast, but I am probably going to beat it here pretty quick. So I'll talk about it next time, because I actually okay. have a lot to say about it in this
0: playthrough. So. Interesting. You, yeah, buddy. Okay, well, I've got two what more. What? What else you got? Okay, I've got one really quick one and then another one that was that's kind of more normal length the fat the quicker one that i have is actually i've got two i think the one i'll talk about for this time is gritters gritters is a 3DO game so i'm trying to play i don't know how good of a job i'm going to do at this I'm trying to uh, play some more uh, like n64, Xbox 3do stuff because I haven't those are ones that I haven't played a lot of yet for the podcast. And also there's a good chance we're gonna do some construction on our house within sometime in the next couple months and when we do, we're probably gonna have to move out temporarily. So I might wow. not have access to a lot of my consoles. so I'm gonna so I'm trying to play stuff on consoles that I'm unlikely to bring with me. So, uh, so I decided to go, and one of those was 3DO. Was Gridders for 3DO. This is a puzzle game. So the, the the story, not the story, doesn't matter one bit. But the story, the premise behind the game is you are this guy who works for this giant corporation, and it's like an evil corporation, and they have automated, basically all like a hundred percent of their workforce. And you were the last actual worker there. Um, And then they finally, they, they got to the hundred percent point where everything's automated and you don't, and they don't need a person for your job anymore. So you're, they're letting you go. And then on your last day, when you're about to leave, you get a a random note that says something like, uh, please help. There's a, there's a terrible secret in the basement of the, factory or whatever the hell the place is so you're so your character is going from level to level trying to get to the bottom floor to figure out what's going on to save whoever needs to be saved none of that matters all it is is a puzzle game where you are on a, a it's in 3d you're on a big plane and there are all these big boxes like a boxes I'd say like a little bit taller than you uh, they're cubes and they roll across the stage in various directions and in various ways. And there are little green pyramids, and you just have to pick up the pyramids and then get to the exit. There's like one tile that's kinda like an exit tile that, that's that's really obvious, and then go to it and, and, and then you go to the next level. Well, very soon it gets a little bit more difficult to get the pyramid little things because the way you the way you end up getting them is certain cubes will have a picture of this green pyramid on the side of them. And that means you have to stop it from moving for like a second or two. And what it does is it drops a pyramid and leaves it behind, if it's one of these that has a pyramid on the side of it. And when it leaves it behind, then you can go pick it up, unless another cube rolls over it before you get to it, in which case it kind of makes it disappear and you got to try all over again. So to make this a little bit more complicated in uh, after a couple more levels there are cube there some of these giant cubes uh have stripes on them and that means that you take damage if you block them yourself and you if you're blocking one and it's one that takes damage it only takes about 2 seconds for it to completely kill you. So the way you have to, the way you get pyramids from those, if it has pyramids and a stripe on it, is you have to kind of see what the paths of all these different cubes are. Block the ones that you can safely block in such a way that those cubes block the other cubes that are important and could damage you, and can also and will also leave a pyramid behind. Wait for those to drop their pyramid, then run out of the way, let everything go, and try to pick up the pyramid before another cube rolls over the square where the pyramid was dropped. And then you do that. And then you do that for the whole rest of the game. It's not very, it's not that good. That's, that's like all there is to the gameplay. And I think, it. I don't know. I don't think there's like a flaw with it. Besides, it's just not very fun. Like I like puzzle games, but something about just, standing in like finding the right place to stand in front of the blocks. There are some levels that get a little bit more complicated where you have to, there are blocks that you actually have to push around and there are different kind of like levels a little bit where you might have to step up some way, this or that. And that kind of changes the whole flow of things. But ultimately it comes down to blocking the paths of some cubes. So they block the paths of other cubes and then letting them go in such a way that you can pick up the pyramid before another cube rolls over it. And that's, and that's the whole rest of the game. And it's just not for me. It just wasn't really a fun concept in the first place. Like there's no real satisfaction of doing it just right. It's just, I don't know. Like, I don't know if my description really does a good job or if it's one of those games where you just have to play it and say like, Oh yeah, this just isn't that fun. But everything about it works just fine. I think it's like you know a fine idea for a puzzle. There's there's like there are some ways to to get through the, the stages easily, but most of them it's it's pretty you know it is a challenge. And I do like the fact that there are often multiple ways to to uh, to pass the level, to get all the pyramids to pass the level. But ultimately, it, just the process of doing those things just just wasn't very fun. And uh, unfortunately, that's that's about all I have to say about Gritters. Dang. Yeah. So, yeah, not terrible, but just not really fun either. The last game I have for tonight is Blade Runner. Oh, by the way, Gritters came out. When did it come out? I want to say 94. Oh, look at this. 1994, Jay. Oh. ho. Oh. Okay, Blade Runner, on the other hand, is a point-and-click adventure game. It was uh, It's a PC game. It came out in 1997, which is a little bit later than I thought. And I've heard such good things about this game. I've heard that it's a fantastic point-and-click adventure game. you got to play it if you like point-and-clicks. I do, of course. It was released um, re-released on GOG about two and a half, maybe three years ago now. And I bought it instantly, and I never got around uh, to playing it until, I think it was right around when we started playing Monkey Island. Which, by the way, we need to play Guild of War soon, speaking of Game of the Quarter stuff. yeah. Oh, shit, we better do it quick. <laughs> I know, we really need to do it soon. Uh, but I think it was when we were starting to talk about Monkey Island, and I was you know, thinking about point-and-click games some more. like you know it's time i really need to play play blade runner so of course it's it's it ties you know it's in the blade runner universe you know based on the movie this game is not based on the blade runner movie it takes place in the same universe in the same city even but it's not like uh it doesn't just it doesn't follow them it doesn't follow the movie even though it's just called blade runner um you are a different character from the main character. You you are you are a whole new character doing your old your, your a whole new story in the Blade Runner universe. Uh, you are a Blade Runner. So if you're not familiar with with the movie Blade Runner, you are a um in that movie follows a detective who um in, in this kind of future version of uh of Earth basically someone has created. Um, androids called replicants, and uh, they are—they've like basically we've handed off all human labor to these artificially created replicants. They look just like humans. They um, arguably have feelings and emotions just like humans, but they are uh, like mass manufactured. And what happens in the film, or what happens actually before the film, is that. Uh, eventually these, uh, on an off world colony, I I can't remember if it was on the moon or Mars. I want to say Mars. There was a big revolt and, uh, they killed a lot of people and now replicants are illegal. You, if you cannot be, it's illegal to be a replicant. So there are these, uh, detectives called blade runners and it's their job to find replicants. You know, whenever the, you know, they, you get intelligence that there is a a replicant somewhere, they hand it off to these blade runners, they go find them and they kill them. So that's, that's the basis of the blade runner movie. If if you're not familiar with it, it's a fantastic movie. I'm a huge blade runner fan. And the the first time I watched the film, it's kind of one of those movies that gets talked up so much that the first time you watch it, you're like, I don't get what's, what's the big deal. And that's how I felt the first time, but then for some reason I felt compelled to go back and watch it again. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is just, this is a beautiful movie. Like, it's not even that the story is that good. The story is, is fine, but the story isn't even really the main thing about it. It's really the cinematography, the the imagery of the film, uh, just like a lot of the, the drama of it, the way things are shot that to me is is what makes blade runner so good. So I'm a big blade runner fan going into this. This movie uh this game is actually si- kind of similar in uh in a lot of ways to the to the movie in that it's not really the story that's so good, it's it's the way the story is told. Um and the the, fir- the the thing that stands out to me the most about this game so so the story in in the game is there are these guys who came into someone's uh it, the blade runner universe is kind of i wouldn't say uh it's not apocalyptic it's definitely not apocalyptic but it's it, it's dystopian everything is dreary Um, every, uh, like animals, most animals are extinct or severely endangered. Um, every, you know, all, all like food is, is very fake. It's always rainy. It's always dark. Everybody lives in a place where water's leaking through the ceilings. Um, it's just kind of a a very dreary, but, but at the same time, somehow very striking, uh, world. In this game, it starts off with uh, these guys entering the uh, the place of business of this of a of a person who sells animals, which are extremely extremely valuable because, as I said, most of them are extinct or endangered. And they kill the shop. No, no, I'm sorry. They don't kill the shop owner. They kill. Oh gosh, I don't remember if they kill one of the uh, a girl who works there or not, but but more importantly, they kill some of his animals. And you are investigating it, and you um because you think that there's a good chance that these are replicants that did that. And then the that, that's that's kind of what kicks off the story. It's this investigation of you trying to track down the people that killed these animals, and of course, you know, in in the style in kind of the classic film noir style you end up uh, uncovering a whole bunch of other kind of conspiracies and things like that as you're uh, as as you're investigating there are other murders and stuff that you that you that you come across you know very shortly and again it's like one thing leads to another and it's kind of like every answer leads to more questions type situation um the game stays the 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 biggest thing that that struck me about this game is how incredibly true it stays to the feeling of the movie. I, I cannot give the artists and the writers, but mostly the artists enough credit for really, really hundred uh, percent recreating the feel of the Blade Runner universe. All of the locations are, as I said, it's, it's like, it's always nighttime. It's always raining. A lot of the locations are, are big kind of giant buildings that you can tell used to have, you know, dozens and or, or hundreds of people populating them at any one time. But that are almost empty now, except for a few people here and there, like like the police station, for instance. The police station that you work at is this enormous building. And there's this one room where you can walk into. And they 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 laid it out beautifully. It's this gigantic room. You you are like way back in the room and you can just see your character like way off in the distance. You're you're almost like a tiny dot on the screen. And the whole thing is is not lit. There's basically no light in the in the entire place and there are like four people in various parts of this room just kind of like, you know, doing their jobs and that's that's it. It's like all there's this it's like the world had built up these these great places and now we can't even populate them like a fraction of what what they were meant to be because kind of the world just sucks so bad now Um, and that's 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 how the 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 whole the whole game is everything looks a hundred percent true to the movie the music is a hundred percent true to the movie also the Blade Runner soundtrack is is famous it's it's a it's a it's about as 80s synth as you can get and it's really really good really emotional as well that train that they they got that in the game perfectly there's a part where so you can one of the places you can go is your own apartment and uh you can stand out on your balcony and all that happens when you stand out on the balcony is your guy looks off the balcony and it plays blade runner music (laughs) and it doesn't serve any purpose in game but it Perfectly recreates the feel of Blade Runner. I, I several times during my playthrough, I I will take my character there and just let him sit there for a second, just so I could look at it and <laughs> listen to uh, listen to the Blade Runner music. It's 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 perfect. It's got all these giant advertisements everywhere, just like it does in, in the Blade Runner movie. Again, absolutely astounding job of of recreating the the Blade Runner world. As far as gameplay goes. It's it's a bit different from most uh point and click adventure games. There is no first off there's no inventory. There's no process <laughs> of finding objects and using them to um you know to 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 solve puzzles and things like that. Dialogue also is not something you use like to solve puzzles. You you do have to talk to characters, but not in a way that's like, "Oh, I got to convince this guy to do this or that." It's more just like Oh, I have to talk to all the right people. You know, make sure I talk to this guy and that guy and then if I find out something from here, I need to go back to this other person and ask him about it. That's kind of the pro- that's, that's that's how dialogue works. It, it it's it works for uh, advancing the story, but not solving puzzles. So, okay. you don't solve puzzles with dialogue. You don't solve puzzles with inventory. How do you solve puzzles in this point-and-click adventure game? Well, you actually don't really solve puzzles in this game, which is kind of one of the odd things about it. The way you advance through the game is really just by going around and talking to people, finding clues, looking around, making sure you 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 know you see everything there is to see at crime scenes, and then whenever you discover something new, you basically go talk to whoever you would need to talk to about that, and that's how you progress the story. Um, there are the there is one puzzle aspect to the game, where, um, you if if you've seen Blade Runner, then there's this kind of famous scene where he is, uh, um, the main character Deckard has this little like this little co- uh, computer at his house, and he has it scan like uh camera footage. And, uh, and he says, you know, like go to the left, zoom, go to the right, zoom. He's given verbal commands to the computer. He says like, you know, enhance, zoom some more enhance, go this way, go that you do that yourself on, uh, throughout the game, uh, various times when you get new photographs or camera footage of, of various scenes where you need to look for evidence, you get those and you take them back to a computer and you search around on the actual pictures for for clues about whatever crime it is you're looking into at the moment. Which, first of all, this is really cool because it kind of recreates, as I said, a kind of a famous thing from the original Blade Runner and it lets you... It's like, that was a cool thing. I want to do that. It lets you do that cool thing f- from Blade Runner yourself. You get to click around and tell the camera where to go and tell it to zoom in on stuff looking for these clues that are going to help you advance the story. Um, this does uh, this does kind of amount to pixel hunting in a way. You're, you're not hunting... Pixels per se, but you are kind of just looking around for anything that, that it's like the developers decided were something that, that that's important to the, um, to the story as opposed to something that like you would naturally think is important to the story. Sometimes it's obvious what you need to zoom in on. It's like, Oh, there's this, you know, I need to look at the license plate of this car or this guy's face those things are obvious. When you zoom in on them, it'll kind of like do a special kind of zoom in and, and print off the thing, and that, that uh, and that's how you know you found something that you need to f- have found uh, to advance the story. But other times, it's it's not it's not as. Uh, and other times, it's pretty difficult to find the the right thing to zoom in on. Uh, to advance the story. And sometimes you, you might find one thing, but then there is a second thing that you have to find also. So you never really know if you found anything. So that's kind of, that's that's one of the uh, things that I think could have done a bit, been done a little bit better is giving better feedback on what you should be looking for. Like, like I said, once you found it, it's always 100% clear. Okay, now I got something that I needed. But a lot of the time, it can be difficult to figure out what the thing is that you should be zooming in on to look for to uh that you know that that's that's a clue of some sort um and that's really the only puzzle part of the game is looking through these pictures these photographs and things to find clues and there are probably about eight of them in the game so not a whole lot especially considering as i said that's the only really puzzle aspect of it so even though it can get a little bit difficult to find just the right thing to look at sometimes it's not like you have to do it a hundred times. So it's, 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 it's not unbearable by any means. It's just kind of one of those things that's, that is a little bit of a flaw. I think another thing that you get to do in game. That's pretty cool. That's from the movie is give, is uh, give people void tests in Blade Runner. The, the void test is a test that they give people to determine if they are a replicant, because you can't tell just by looking at them and there are these tests that they will give to people and based on their response uh the idea is that a skilled blade runner will be able to tell using the uh the help of the of of a machine if they when they administer this test if this person that they're talking to is an actual human or a blade runner and the way it works is that they ask him the all these really sort of pretty random hypothetical questions and they get in like their this machine that they have with them is gauged is is zoomed in on their pupil and it kind of measures their pupil's reaction to these random questions and based on the reaction of the person based on the, these like minuscule reactions, it can judge whether the person is a replicant or not. So, it might be like, okay, you are uh you're in a desert, and there's a dead snake on the ground. Why is it dead? Or okay, you are um. You're walking through the woods and you see a turtle and you decide to kill the turtle and you cut its head off. Why did you do that? And based on... And it just, it's like, like I said, just these really random hypothetical scenarios and based on kind of the reaction that you get just from asking those questions, they're supposed to be able to tell whether uh, it's a replicant or a human. And that's a cool thing that you get to do in this game. It, you, you open up your little your little briefcase thing with, with the, with the machinery. And a few times during out during the game, you, you give this quiz to people and it kind of has like three different spots where you can ask them like a, a very mild question or a little bit more intense question or like a very intense question. And you kind of have to do it just right to where they don't just get angry and refuse to take it anymore, but you want to kind of like push them enough to where you get some sort of an emotional response out of them and then the machine kind of tells you eventually, if you do it just right, whether they are a replicant or a human. Um, something else that's really cool about this game is that the characters in the game that are replicants, it's randomized every playthrough. So sometimes, you know, the same character on one playthrough might be a human. Other times, it might be a replicant. And that actually affects... It doesn't really affect a whole lot of the actual playthrough of the game, but it does affect the ending of the game, which is super cool because you could... Obviously, it gives a replayability, but it also like makes it feel like a like more of a real world where even if you're following a walkthrough, even if you've played the game before, you don't know if this or that person is a human or, or a replicant. It can always change. And again, as I said, it changes the outcome. It changes the ending of the of the game as well there are also actions that you can do throughout the game that change the ending you can end up being a uh, like a sympathizer with the replicants or, or or like not a sympathizer or you can kind of run off and just like leave everything and go do your own thing um it's really cool all the flexibility and and supposedly even on top of those variables they um they they wrote it to where even independently of whether the some of the characters are replicants or not, they will choose to do things differently in the game, just kind of randomly. Um so other aspects of the of the playthrough will, will also be different. So a lot of replayability, a lot of variability, a lot of stuff that just kind of makes it different from, from one playthrough to the next, which is super cool. Um and I think that's it. the 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 whole story, as I said, is not fantastic. It's good, um, but coming coming from from coming to from the perspective of a Blade Runner fan, this game I could not have asked of any for anything better. This game is fantastic. It's wow, a great recreation of the Blade Runner universe. Yes, the gameplay lacks a little bit. There were some times where I was like, oh, I don't know. Feel like I've talked to everybody. I don't really know what to do yet, or, or or anymore. So I would have to look up a walkthrough, and that's very hard for this game, based on the AI having different behaviors from playthrough to playthrough, different people being replicants or not. So that can be a little bit difficult, and so that that was a little bit of a of a bummer because like sometimes I was just like I don't I don't know who like what else to do. A lot of times, what it came down to was. I had missed something in one of the pictures that I was skating. I had missed a clue, you know, here or there that I needed to go back and find. Um, but overall, I, 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 I agree with the assessment that this is a great point-and-click adventure game. If you're not a big Blade Runner fan, um, it, it probably is not going to do as much for you. Uh, because as I said, the gameplay is is really different from, from a lot of point-and-clicks and, and not really, really not very puzzle-based. Uh, The story is not super. The story is good, not great, but it's the recreation of that whole world that they did uh, such a good job with.
1: That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit surprised, but that's uh, that's really great to hear.
0: Yeah, I I was I was um, I thought it was going to be one of those situations where it's a game that was great for its time, sure, but doesn't hold up. I, I really wasn't expecting it to hold up at all, but almost from the like right from the beginning, I was like. Damn, this is fantastic. There are, there are also a couple, especially towards the end of the game, there are some parts where uh, there actually is like a little bit of, uh, of, of action-based gameplay where you'll have people coming at you and you have to actually aim and shoot them or else you, you could get killed. Um, so that's that's a little bit weird, obviously, for a point-and-click adventure game, but all those parts I found to be really pretty easy, and there weren't a whole lot of them. That was just kind of like a little little quirk, quirky thing that the game had. But yeah, overall... I was I was amazed by by, by how well it, it feels like it holds up. All right, Jay. No top fives. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, didn't hear the last episode, we are putting a we're putting a stop to the top fives for a while, or maybe maybe permanently, or at least mostly permanently, because. Uh, we started going very, very, very long in episodes, and usually by the time Jay and I are done recording one, we both just want to die. Like, with the, the, the feeling we had was, I think, we had both the exact same feeling coming into it, which was, we're always super excited to record a new episode. And then by the time we're done recording an episode, we're, we were both like, holy shit, I'm fucking dead now. So, <laughs> we think, like, cutting out the top fives, especially since we've covered about every top five there is possible to cover... Think we think cutting out those is gonna like cut out just enough time to keep us to where we we're not just gonna like pass out uh, at the end of every episode. So uh, so no top fives. So you know what that's time for. Ba-da-bop. Emails. Emails. Snush nice, drunk. We take uh, this first one from Father Beast.
2: Sure. Father, Father Beast writes, hello, classic gamers. It looks like I missed being on for the episode where you discussed the game of the quarter and I had better hurry up and write this before I end up being late by more than one episode. Okay. The secret of Monkey Island. I first encountered this game on the PC gamer disc included with the magazine back in 2000. Sometime they had what they called the quote unquote classic games collection, which meant they filled their demo disc with 12 complete games from the days of DOS. I remember, I remember yeah. those. Yeah. Um, lots of shareware and stuff yeah uh one of those games was the secret of monkey island uh my daughter and i quickly became obsessed with this game we always made the point of saying tm out loud when reading the text on the screen and giggled incessantly (laughs) while repeating the jokes in the game i should note that this was a time when we had no sound whatsoever in dos games so we we were crazy about this game without ever hearing the music We didn't hear the full sound experience until the coming of DOSBox some years later. So anyway, I played this game using the Ultimate Talkie Edition. What is that? Well, if you have the original edition and the special edition, you can extract all the audio files from the special edition, and it inserts them into the original version. And this hybrid works in SCUMVM, S-C-U-M-M-V-M, and it is my favorite method of playing both Secret and LeChuck's Revenge. Rob, I I wanted to ask you earlier about this in particular uh and in, in particular with uh, Blade Runner. Did Blade Runner have voice acting?
0: Uh oh, uh, good question. I should have mentioned yes, it is voice acted actually. So like all of all of the dialogue is voice acted. Obviously you can you can turn it off, you know, if you want. Um but yes, it is voice acted. And the voice acting is actually uh especially for a game uh that old, it's it's pretty it's actually pretty good.
2: Not terrible. That's good. Yeah. Um oh uh Father Beast goes on to say I am reminded of the three part puzzles that have become sort of a standard in games like the Telltale Sam and Max games. We start this game with just such a puzzle as you try to become a pirate. I discovered it I discovered it is possible to actually map the forest maze, but Guybrush won't actually enter the forest until you buy the dance steps from that shady guy in town. You can You can find your way to Carla this way, and then she looks at you and says that since you don't even have a sword, you can just go away. When I first played, the easiest thing was to steal the idol from the governor's mansion, which leads you being stuck underwater. And when you come up, you have this really cheesy romantic scene with the governor. And just when you're about to come together, she says, for you to finish your quest first and walks away. Guybrush then says he has this sudden urge to finish the quest. I wanted to know what would happen if you ju- if you did that la- that part last, and she wouldn't have that excuse. Unfortunately, if you do that, you have this lame scene where Guybrush sort of says he must have been in love with her. Sigh. <laughs> That's pretty funny. One of the greatest things in the game was the cutscene where you go behind the wall and the game plays itself. No, not the red button. The great thing is that all the ridiculous moon logic puzzles are done for you in that section. How could I possibly know? I would need the wax lips. God, that sounds like some King's Quest type nonsense.
0: It, it does. I never thought I never actually That's a that's an interesting observation that he makes cuz I never thought about this part of the game being like what like A ridiculous puzzle part of you know some other some other game and it's like this one just
2: try try whatever you have in your inventory exactly (laughs) try whatever
0: you have on everything else and nothing makes any sense i I never thought about this being kind of one of those parts
2: (laughs) what are the wax lips doing on the yak how could i possibly know that i need the staple remover to get the wax lips from the yak (laughs) Most of, the, most of the rest of the game's puzzles are pretty easy to figure out. In the whole game, the only terrible puzzle I can point to is having to steal an idol from the monkey head to give the vegetarian cannibals. That one is kind of hard. Yes, I know that negotiating for the price of the ship is a pain. It does seem to get everybody to hate Stan. My daughter managed to talk him down to 3,900 pieces of eight just because she hated him so much. And no, you don't get change for the le- for the letter of credit for 5,000 pieces. Uh, the last thing to mention, he says, is how many shades of Curse of Monkey Islands. he says it's his favorite of the series, I was getting. It's almost as if Curse was a greatest hits of Secret Remixed. The insult sword fighting, getting swallowed by the snake, is much like being dumped in the ocean, and so on. Anyway, love this game, probably always will, Father Beast. Thank you, Father Beast. I
0: never really thought about thought of this being uh, so similar to Curse of Monkey Island, but now maybe I'm going to have to go back and play it to see. Uh, also sorry that we didn't, you got this email in like the day after we recorded the last episode, so sorry that uh, we're a little bit late on getting this one, but uh, yeah. Thank you, as always, Father Beast. Good to hear from you. All right, the second one comes from Chase the Night Cleaner, and this is our last one of the evening. Jay, would you mind taking this one? Not at all. There you go. I'm going to send it in two parts because I don't think Discord will like all of it. There you go.
1: <clears throat> Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with a 4 rail email that I hope it can fit into your overflowing inbox. I'm just going to play like I didn't forget to write in last episode like every other fan of your show and really lean into this email. Yeah,
0: that was, uh, that was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inexcusable. It's... Uh, word on Twitter was no
1: top fives today and to reach out for life advice, oh God. So I'm wondering, <laughs> do I pick up a new TV to get the most out of my Xbox Series X or do I save up and commit to those basement renovations? I know I need to happen at some point. Listen, you're going to need a TV for the renovated basement. So I feel like you just jump on the
0: TV, right, Bob? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we don't know what kind of TV you have, Chase. If you got a good one, I mean, you might Robert. not need a new one. How dare you? Our TV, my TV has crazy burn in. I really need a new one, actually.
1: I have uh, two TVs that are more than 15 years old. Right Damn.
0: Now. Love it. That's big nuts. fan, big fan. Um, anyway, your- I <laughs> think, Chase. We don't have all of the information necessary to to make an assessment here, but I might say to hold up, to hold off and and go for the basement renos first, maybe, depending on how bad, how good or bad you're, if your TV, if you have like a terrible TV right now, yeah, maybe go ahead and maybe go ahead and up the TV, but I think I'd lean toward basement reno
1: anyways uh, which brings me to my real question of the day but first a lead-in now more than ever contemporary consoles rely on visual clarity and the quality of additional devices external of the console itself 4k tvs sound bars decent headphones to help in the heavy lifting when it comes to immersion my question is do you care about any of this stuff and would you rather play one of these insanely expensive to make a triple a game excuse me triple a games of today or would you rather reach back into the past and spend hours playing games that require a little effort to set up definitely the latter of the two um i generally like i don't care about this stuff too much in my opinion
0: like surround sound 4k tv that kind of stuff
1: i i have a sound bar that i got recently um that that's about the extent of what i have i mean I, I don't know. I am just a very like immersed person for the most part with games. So I generally don't have too much of an issue. How about you, Rob?
0: I should probably get a soundbar actually. Cause <laughs> super cheap. I, yeah, I kind of good lie to... in between. Um, mm-hmm. Generally. I don't worry too much about, as he says, like the, the external things are surrounding the console. Like I do have a really good TV. As I said, it does have <laughs> crazy burning right now. I should get a new one. I say really good. It's probably about five years old. It was really good then. Now it's probably about average. Uh, Besides the burn-in, it's definitely below average because of that. But I don't have a soundbar, which probably really should get because the way my experience with things like TVs, soundbars, and that kind of stuff is... I often don't care too much about it. Like like often I feel the way Jay does. I'd rather just uh, buy buy a game, hook it up to a TV and play. And if I don't have the best yep. TV or the best sound, that's fine. But every time I've had an experience where I was playing on a great TV or, in spe- or specifically with great sound, then that's always, always made me want to upgrade. For sure. Um, and like, it's always made me say not just want to upgrade but say hey it, it's worth it to upgrade so i i tend, like i said yeah i tend toward what jay said but i also do have a, a a propensity to to change my mind and say you know what like every once in a while i'll just have this epiphany where i'm like you know what We i need to up the game on the uh on the high fidelity shit yeah i will
1: say i got the chance to play uh hades on my parents tv which is a a very nice tv uh, it's within the last couple of years mm-hmm. and ooh buddy that was a a different feeling for sure now is it enough to make me want to buy to spend you know however much money i spend on tv probably not but at the same time it's pretty darn cool yeah <laughs> yep. Oh, i was like why aren't you reading <laughs> um <laughs> maybe it's a little question as this the themed podcast that being said being able to play beautiful games presented in 4k in a flat and stable 60 fps is also a hell of a thing to behold if you ever get the chance also time to flex that gaming history knowledge with a bonus gaming quiz great gaming question of the day quiz question of of the day wow okay of this list which came first final fantasy tactics disgaea or tactics ogre let us cling together all right you can't
0: look it up obviously (laughs) Okay. God, I'm, tactics, right? Final fantasy tactics, which system did ogre, Tactics Ogre? <laughs> that's or... what I'm wondering. There was a tactics. Okay. I think it's final fantasy tactics. I, I would, I would say tactics ogre, but I mm. think I'm thinking of the super Nintendo one, which is that's not
1: exactly what I was thinking. That's, so, I don't... That, that's exactly
0: what I was thinking. I was I, like, is this that one? I don't think it's that one. I'm going to with...
1: go with final fantasy tactics. Final answer.
0: Okay. That's what I'm going to say. Also, uh, you look at him up from, from number one, and I'll start from number three and look it up. Oh,
1: he, I think he answers it for us.
0: Oh, does he? I think.
1: Uh, you might be able to argue this one is kind of a trick question, in which case I would say, base, base it on Japanese release date schedules to be
0: fair. Oh, come on.
1: Uh, oh, well, he doesn't actually provide
0: it, so we do have to look it up. Okay, okay this says, for Tactics Ogre, 1995, Okay. I'm pretty sure Disgaea uh, oh, came you know,
1: out. Tactics came out in '97, so that already beats. Oh it out. shit!
0: So it is Tactics, because I think Disgaea was like 2000 something. Yeah, Disgaea uh, was 2003. Well, we lost.
1: Case, way to make us look dumb. Appreciate it. We almost
0: <laughs> we did pretty good, but we didn't do that good.
1: That's true. Cool. Um, He says, that's it for me today, gentlemen. As always, thank you so much for all that you do and for this little slice of your classic gaming podcast. Stay classic and talk again soon. Chase, the Night Cleaner.
0: Thank you so much, Chase. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. All right, current gaming subcast. Jay, you got anything you want to uh, talk about?
1: It's kind of of spoiled. Uh, I'm playing a little bit of Hades again. God, it's right. so good. It is <laughs> just so good. Every time I play it, I'm just like, man, why did I stop playing this game? It is just so ridiculously good. Just so much fun. I can sit there for hours just playing this game for no freaking reason. When and did you start playing not, again?
0: Know,
1: just like a like a week ago, is that <laughs> even? I just I, I didn't do anything extensive. I just kind of like logged on, did a did a run, quote unquote, and just got hooked and I was like, man, this music. I was showing my sister's husband cuz I was telling him about it for a while and I'm like, you got to see this game. Like he he's not a huge uh, video gamer, so I was like, you got to see this game, and he was just like, this game is crazy. So,
0: did he buy and it? Then did I ended up getting hooked
1: it? on it. No, no, he has a Switch though. He's been, he was he played a lot of Animal Crossing during uh, COVID. Okay. Or not that COVID's over, but you know
0: what I mean. Right during the really bad part of it. Um, yeah. That I'm. That's how I am with Hades, and also lately I've been the same way with FTL. It's like, yeah, oh, you know hmm. what? I'll, I'll go back and give that, you know, play I'll for a few run. minutes. Yeah. and Then you end up playing for a couple hours. Um, I started playing the new Resident Evil game, Resident Evil Village. Oh, I heard really good things about that. Oh, man, it is great. I haven't played a Resident Evil game since Resident Evil 4 originally came out. Jeez. And so I'm definitely not the biggest Resident Evil fan by any means whatsoever. This game makes me want to go back and play the Resident Evil games again. That's crazy. Uh, It is it's just really good and it does a lot of things it does does like a lot of, i feel like a lot of callbacks to old resident <laughs> evil games uh, mm-hmm. like even little things like when you pick up you know they, all the resident evil games have the herb that heals you yeah, yeah when you pick that up or any other thing um it like does a thing where it pops up and kind of floats around in front of you you know what i'm talking about to show you what it is sure uh then like there's this one kind of like I well, I don't know how long the game is, but it felt for it felt like for what was a major part of the game. Well, maybe a maybe a good maybe not a major part of the game, but a good portion of the game. I, I just got out of it today. You're in a castle, and it feels just like the original the original Resident Evil, where you're in that mansion and you're going around having to find keys to open this and that door. You know, um, okay. it follows that format a lot, where you're having to go go around and explore, and you find things, and it's like, oh, this is going to go open that other door that I, that I saw earlier. Um, it's got a lot of that. It's got, um, it it has some callbacks to resident evil Two, I think it was, um, but I think it might be minor spoiler to say. So I'll just leave that as is, um, there's something else I was going to say too. Oh, one other thing that I, um, didn't really think about, but I heard someone talking about it today. Uh, that pointed this out is. In horror games, there seems to be like a trope almost nowadays where if you go in a room and say there's maybe some kind of like minor puzzle that you have to do to get some important item that's in that room. You do that minor puzzle, you finally figure it out, you get the item, what do you expect to happen? Some big bad guy is going to come at you. This doesn't do that. And it's really, really refreshing to have this to where you were just rewarded for doing the right thing. And it's not like, Oh shit, <clears throat> I did the right thing. Now I'm fucked type feeling. Sure. Um, And I didn't and like something, I feel like something about that. Like I, I didn't like, wasn't quite processing, but like subconsciously I was like, something just feels really good about <laughs> like finding the things that you're supposed to find here. And that's exactly what it is. You do, you have this feeling like oh shit as soon as I pick this up there's going to be a big ass <laughs> monster coming at me or something but no it doesn't happen you just get the thing and you're and again you're rewarded rather than punished for for doing the things that's that's going to advance that's the game super cool it's it's really cool um it's scary but it's not like amnesia scary it oh. is uh it's also like some very gory like not afraid to do like really intense stuff gory so uh it's i'm just i'm extremely happy with the game i, I don't even really know what it was that 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 drew me to it cuz like i said i haven't played a resident evil game in ages but sure. this one just something just looked really good and fun about this one and i was like you know why not give it a shot and uh it's it's completely uh, satisfying it's it's i'm i'm i love it it's great that's very
1: cool. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it from a lot of different
0: people, so that makes sense. Yeah, big recommend if you're if you're on the fence about it. Uh,
1: by the way, if you haven't watched Invincible yet, highly, highly. Oh recommend. shit! Have you watched it?
0: I've watched the well. You know, we were talking the other day. I've I've read the entire comic series. It's Invincible. Oh, right. Is my favorite comic series ever. Um, I finally watched the second episode last night, and um. I'm no way spoilers. So obviously I'm way behind. How many uh, episodes were the I first just, season? I'm just
1: talking about for our listeners because it just came out. So,
0: well, how many episodes? It was like 10 episodes so far.
1: Eight. Oh, eight, eight, okay. eight or 10. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: so yes, I, I'm behind, but it's, um but yes, it is. The, the, the show is great. Incredible show. Incredible show. So awesome. one of the best
1: shows I've watched in a long time Yeah, and it's animated and it's, so I, I hate superheroes. I'll be honest. I fucking hate superheroes. They bore the shit out of me and the show is just captures me so much.
0: Yeah, this one is better because it's kind of like an ongoing, like constantly developing story. Um it, It's
1: just it a very dark perspective with a lot and, and also the voice acting is beautiful. They had they have some really nice voice actors now. It's got um Glenn from The Walking Dead, it's got J.K. Simmons, aka Show Me Spider Man pictures, um uh Sandra O's oh in it as well. Like there's a lot of really famous people in it that I just I was I'm really impressed they did they've done a fantastic job with the voice acting in it.
0: Yeah. The um, you should read the comic because it's just as good.
1: I kind of want to. The only challenge I'm having right now is I don't want to read it because I want to wait for the show to be animated before like I, I read more of it. If, if that makes to, sense
0: to, for to finish, you mean?
1: Yeah, because I don't want to. Because like Hunter read it all already at this point, I think. So we were kind of talking about that. I'm like eh, I don't really want to do that. Like, I can like, see I that. Yeah. Just, yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I can totally understand that. But anyway, the comic is fantastic. The uh, the show is fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. um it's 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 very character focused and not just like oh what kind of situation can we throw at the main character from just get out of that's a good way to put it yeah
1: their powers are kind of like a a second thought like it's not the the primary obviously it is because it's superhero but like it's not it's not nearly as as prominent as you might think it would be i don't know i really appreciated it so far
0: it's great Mm -hmm. okay got a lot of good recommendations this time we got we got invincible we got resident evil we got blade runner we got, uh, Bobby Kotick.
1: Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> We're going to end on such a high note. Why did you do
0: that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do it. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it for this episode. Um, quick reminder that our game of the quarter, we had to remind ourselves, um, of this apparently shit. You know what? Like we really, okay. No, we have till the end of June. I was thinking we, it was the end of this month that we, uh. Well, WoW comes
1: it. out on June first. I'm gonna be at oh, f- for a couple fucked. weeks,
0: so okay, we got to do this really soon then. Yep. So game of the quarter is Guild Wars one. Mm-hmm. If if you want to uh, play that, Jay and I will both be playing it. We'll talk about it as I said sometime around the end of uh, June. Will be our game of the quarter episode where we discuss that. Um, follow us at Class Gamecast. Send us. Uh, emails mail at classic dot You can follow me. I am at King Octavius on Twitter. Is that it? Is that all we have? Is that it? I think so. Okay. Under um, four hours. Wow. Look at us. Under four hours. <laughs> <laughs> breaking new ground here. At the classic gaming podcast. I guess that's it. So yeah. Um, oh yeah. Also, we are a member of the HP video game podcast network. Check out the other uh, podcasts on our network and tell your friends all about us and leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. And I guess that's it for this episode. So thank you, as always, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will be back in three weeks. See you then. Take care, guys.